0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey,
0: I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. Nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how
1: high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount
0: not available in all states or situations.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code Madhouse to check out to save. Let's drop the New Year puck.
0: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 the Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Woo! Welcome into the first 2018 edition of the Woo. Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naboe from NBC Five Chicago. Jay Zawoski of Six Seventy The Score with me. We're back, baby. It's about time we got started talking about the Blackhawks and all the wonderful things that have been going on with that team lately. Jay, oh yeah, how, how was your New Year? How was your holiday, buddy?
1: Everything was great, man. Very busy. Um, Just trying to find time We do six Christmases Yeah, six Because my family is so big So we're trying to make everything work Make everybody happy Make sure we're not, you know, rushing through things So uh, very nice, very, not stressful, but busy Uh, Very, very good overall How about you?
0: I only had uh, two Christmases So not a uh, heinous amount for me But uh, had a lot of good times with uh, family And got to relax just a little bit on christmas day itself and then otherwise man a lot of work a lot of uh work i'm finally back on regular schedule now obviously as listeners know we kind of took a little bit of time off from the podcast because i was doing evening shifts so i wish i could have spent more time with family like you did i'm kind of jealous of that but i'm glad everything's kind of slowly getting back to normal and i'm grateful for the Uh, time that i had the limited time that i had well
1: one more thing i want to say too before we get into the hockey conversation uh things we're thankful for you've heard us since this podcast began uh talk about chris from triple threat sports and uh what i have known for a while what james has known for a while has become public uh chris just beat esophageal cancer uh he was not talking about it publicly only his friends and You know people he knows pretty well knew about it he wasn't talking about it on facebook anything like that uh this week put on facebook that he rang the bell for his final his final treatment uh for esophageal cancer so chris glad you're feeling better glad it's over i know how hard it we both know how hard it was on you um over the last what six seven months or so uh super proud of you we knew you'd beat it I uh, just want to say uh, thanks for all you do. Thanks for all you continue to do, all you've done in the past. And we're glad to see you back on the mend, getting back uh, to where you need to be, man. And, and it's uh, it's good news. And I'm sure our listeners now hearing this for the first time uh, feel the same way. So, Chris, welcome back. We're glad you're feeling better, buddy. And uh, from here, upward. And, uh, you know, whenever you need anything, uh, I'll be there for you. I'm sure James will be there for you, too. So, Chris Hubble, welcome back, man. I'm glad you're feeling better congratulations on beating the crap out of cancer which is uh always always encouraged don't want anyone we care about or anyone at all really to suffer chris was suffering and uh hopefully now for a long time chris will be uh done suffering and back to living his life with his family and uh you know having the fun that he did before all this happened so chris glad you're back man just wanted to say that
0: oh obviously just kind of echo everything you said it's not surprising at all that You know, Chris would be the kind of guy that would kick the crap out of, you know, cancer. So go, Chris. Congratulations. Absolutely awesome news to hear as we start this new year. And it reminds us again of just how fragile life can be and how much we need to, you know, value the time that we have with people we love. And I'm really glad that Chris is going to be able to spend many more days with his loved ones after kicking the crap out of cancer like we all knew that he would.
1: Yes, sir good 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 man glad to have him back uh, close to full strength definitely uh one more bit of business too the uh wolves outing on january 20th there are 10 tickets left that's it the event is january 20th like i said you have to go check out the link in the description of this podcast or check out the madhouse pod twitter account my twitter account james's twitter account for links to that event 10 tickets remain so Basically, that means if five people decide to go, it's going to be sold out. So we want to see you guys there on the 20th. Remember, tickets to the game included. You also get a Madhouse T-shirt, Madhouse koozie. You get a Chicago Wolves bag and a Chicago Wolves hat. So definitely worth the $17. It'll cost you to get out there that night. Um, We look forward to seeing everyone out there. But if you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, now's the time. Tickets are running out quickly. And if you do see a sold out, uh message on the page. I guess there's been a little bit of an issue. I was told by the Wolves if you refresh the page, it should work. Uh now that's as of here, Tuesday at four fifteen PM. Uh by the time this podcast posts and some people hear it, they could be gone. But if you are getting a sold out message, make sure to refresh. Uh if you're having any problems, hit up James or I on Twitter and we'll help you out. But uh running out of chances to come out and join us on the twentieth at the All State Arena. Okay. Now, Blackhawks hockey. James, your thoughts?
0: <laughs> well, I've got a lot of thoughts. It's kind of hard to, you know, corral them all at once. I mean, I have been off for a few weeks here, so I guess we'll just, uh, we got to start with the obvious, man. And the obvious is that this team is still as inconsistent as ever. They can come out on a nightly basis and they can either give you something really great, they can forecheck the crap out of their opponent they can show off all sorts of offensive skill their penalty kill can look good all that stuff can happen and then there are other nights when they look completely lost complete easily beaten and like they should have they have no business being on an NHL rink it is been the case since game one continues to be the case now that we're hitting about the halfway mark of the season and it's <laughs> Every, every time you tune into this team, you just never quite know what you're going to get out of them because they, they just have this weird thing where they are either playing real well and they're making you, like, kind of believe in them a little bit or they're completely crapping themselves and playing poorly and giving up gobs of goals to stalwart teams like the Vancouver Canucks. And it's just, uh, it's been a very, very frustrating season overall and it has continued to be that way as they've kind of wound their way through this end of year road trip that they're finally gonna be wrapping up tomorrow. So it's just it's crazy. It's it's been just a roller coaster weird ride of a season and I, I don't feel like we have any more definitive of an idea of what exactly the identity of this team is than we did in game one because they're never consistent enough for us to get it.
1: Yeah, you use the word frustrating, and that to me is what resonates because, like you said, every night is a different story with this team. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm sort of accepting the fact that they're just not very good. Um, they don't look like a playoff team to me and yeah you've got star power and Kane and Taves and Sod and Keith and we say this every episode but every episode that goes by these guys continue to slump and yes I know Taves and Sod scored the other night against Calgary that's great but you know you're down three nothing you got a rally to come back against the Calgary Flames are fine but they're not elite they are two points from being in last place in the central division I mean that's did you ever imagine we'd be here? I mean, even when we previewed this season, we talked about, you know, ah, you know, it, it's going to be a learning year. It's going to be some development, and that's good. I think the development part of this year has gone pretty well. But, man, I thought they'd be a little better than they are right now, and we had that little bit of a tease. What was that, like in November, early December, where they were starting to rattle off some wins in a row, and then right back to it, man. And then the game in Vancouver was a awful... And they've looked bad in most games. Like they mailed it in, like they were on the trip before the trip. Or they were on the break before the break even began. It's just uncharacteristic for this team to look like they're not playing hard. And that to me is, that's alarming. That to me is kind of the, okay, it's one thing if you're not going to win or, you know, you're going to have some young guys struggle and you just can't, you know, you can't get enough goals or whatever. When I see the effort being in question night after night, that to me is, is a big problem. And that's something I never thought I would see with, you know, Jonathan Taves leading things and with Joel Quenville behind the bench. Those are the sort of things you thought you could take for granted. I have questioned the effort of this team more often than I would like to admit. And uh, to me, that's a huge, huge issue.
0: Yeah. And what, what comes up every single time that you question the effort level of this team, you question whether or not they need a change behind the bench, the whether they need a new voice commanding them and you know, pushing them forward and kind of directing this ship. And I went kind of on a little bit of a tweet storm the other day after I think it was the Vancouver game or maybe the Edmonton game, one of the two. And I just, I basically said flat out, I said, there are two reasons that you would fire Joel Quenville. One reason is that you think that doing so will spark this team to heights that they have within themselves. And two, you do it if you really think that he, they've tuned him out, that they have just kind of things have run their course with him, that, you know, he's not going to be the guy here much longer because no one's really listening to him. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, there's no reason to really fire Joel right now. Yeah, like you can spark the team. Yeah, you can maybe, you know, a new voice will kind of guide them in a new direction. But is this team really good enough to where if you fire Joel Quenville, that they're somehow going to be able to kick it into another gear? And I honestly and legitimately do not think that they have that gear. I just really don't.
1: That's a tough question. And I feel like all this discussion about Joel Quenville being fired is sort of a waste of time. We still should do it because I think that I do think that the message is worn out. And when you say they're tuning him out, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think you're saying this, you're not saying that it's a conscious decision to no longer listen to Joel Clenville, like, nope, we're done with this guy. His message is old. It's not that. But the guy's been here so long, and you've played the same system for so long, and you've heard the same coaching techniques for so long that at some point it just stops registering, right? You just sort of stop hearing it. You're just sort of stuck in your ways. And I do think that a coaching change at some point could inject some life into this roster. Maybe if Jonathan Taves starts getting used differently, he'll score more often. Maybe not. Maybe the same with Brandon Saad. Who knows? But I do know that this team does look stuck in neutral, and I'm not blaming Joel Quenville. It's no one's fault. It's not his fault. I mean, most coaching, most coaches or managers, after about 10 years, they just sort of run their course. Look, Bo- Scottie Bowman, was with how many teams in his career three four the greatest of all time has moved on mike babcock has moved on you know great coaches have been fired and rehired by their teams joe Quenville is not above that and i think as we're looking at the trends of the last couple of years two first round outs in a row uh a subpar season this year you know Maybe it's time to make a move. I say it's a waste of time to discuss this because I would be shocked if John McDonough would allow Joel Quenville to be fired midseason. I think if it's going to happen, it'll happen this offseason, and they'll make it a, you know, Joel's going to retire, or Joel's going to take a break, or Joel's going to step away for a while. Or
0: give him some other job in the organization, right? They
1: will not, air quotes, fire, air quotes, punish Joel Quindle for this year if they let him go I think it'll be this summer and it will be under the guise of retirement maybe not a guise. maybe he actually will retire but maybe it's a forced retirement I don't think John McDonough will say to Joel Quenneville, second winningest coach of all time three-time Stanley Cup champion with the Blackhawks you are fired and therefore put the blame on his head I would be absolutely shocked if it happened and if it was going to happen I think it would have happened over the holidays
0: yeah okay. See, I don't know about that. I feel like they still, they have faith in Joel, I think. And I think that you're more likely to see something like that maybe over the All-Star break, you know? Get the guy in before, you know, trade season really heats up and Stan Bowman potentially, like, has to know whether or not he's going to make a move or two to try to bolster this roster. I think that you still have time. I feel like you still have opportunity to evaluate whether or not Joel is the right guy for the team moving forward and to be honest with you I feel like there it's it's a ticking clock kind of because you're not going to fire him with like 20 games to go in the season obviously but I think that firing him around the all-star break or something like that would it, it it's something that like maybe would happen like I don't think you can like definitively rule it out but at the same time I can definitely see what you're talking about where Uh, Joel isn't gonna be fired mid-season and fed to the wolves and then even if he gets let go after the season it's not gonna be well you suck it's just you're not good enough anymore it's gonna be we're transitioning Joel to a senior advisor role or something like that he's taking a break from coaching whatever they want to spin it as they will and I think that you're right about that Uh, going back to the effort thing the tuning him out thing. You're absolutely right. It's not a conscious like screw Joel, we hate that guy, yada yada. He doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. But after a while, I feel like it would definitely start wearing on you. The the system that he's had in place has worked and it's, you know, resulted in three Stanley Cups and a prolonged run of playoff success. But at the same time, it's a really grueling system to play. Constantly having to kind of watch your back at both ends of the ice and really be, you know, hard-pressing defensive team. And I think that coupled with the fact that you're constantly having to deal with uh, shifting line mates and you're not really sure who you're going to be skating with on a night-in, night-out basis, I feel like that might start to wear on a guy after a while. Even though you're used to it, you still kind of, like, would want some continuity. And obviously the way Joel coaches, if there's anything that's going wrong, his solution is to just jumble up the lines and see what sticks. And I feel like maybe that's something that's bothering the players, even, sub- excuse me, even subconsciously, and kind of impacting their performance.
1: Well, it definitely could be. I, I mean, you know, it's hard to get in the mind of all these players, and you're not looking at one or two guys who are struggling. It's it's kind of everybody, you know, and, and when, you, when you look at it that way, you know, Joel's system is – is great for when it fits the roster, right? When the roster is right for it, when you have a lot of guys who are like Marion Hosa and Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook in their prime and Nicholas Jalmerson playing well and Duncan Keith playing at a Norris trophy level, the system works very well. But now you've got some young guys who are not quite the two way stars that Hosa and Taves are, right? Like Nick Schmaltz, Alex Brinkett, nice players with decent two way games, but they're not gonna they're not gonna be mistaken for selkie candidates at any point in their career, right? You've got to adapt the way your system works to the players you have, and that I have not seen from Joel Quenville. I haven't. And I don't know. Maybe we're making too much of it. Maybe we're just looking for an excuse or an explanation as to why this team that we expect to still be very good is just very average right now. I don't know. But you can't fire all the players. You're not going to trade Jonathan Taves. You're not going to trade Patrick Kane, right? You're not going to trade Duncan Keith. I don't think you're going to see a wholesale fire sale. So the sort of the natural answer is, okay, things aren't working. You got to make a change up front. And it's either Joel Quenville or it's Stan Bowman. And right now, if I had to bet, I would think that Stan Bowman is the one who will be safe through this first round of, uh, if there is a move made, I think Bowman will be the one that wins out in the eyes of John McDonough.
0: You think that, uh, mcdonough is probably gonna go into it with the notion that Stan should be able to pick a second coach basically like he I I would imagine he wasn't technically GM of the team when savard got fired was he I think that happened during Dale talons yes okay so I'm I'm sure you're current, I'm sure you're yes, you sure that Stan had like something to do with Joel being brought in as a consultant and kind of almost coach and waiting kind of thing. I'm curious if McDonough is going to give him an opportunity to hire a second coach. I feel like reasonably it makes sense. He's had enough kind of successes in his career as a GM. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, is Stan immune from just being swept away along with Joel? Like, Do you think there's any kind of possibility that John McDonough says, hey, you your players are not developing the way that we should. We do not have any type of defensive pipeline whatsoever. Your only hits have been these like free agents that you've signed from Europe. Like, you think there's any way that Stan Bowman gets the axe too?
1: Yeah, I think there's. I think it's possible. I I, I don't know. I mean, McDonough for his uh, you know big smile and and gregarious attitude behind the microphone and in front of the camera is one thing, but he's ruthless. And I mean that in a good way, like the dude wants to win. He wants things to be great. He wants the team that he's in charge of to be elite. And right now the Blackhawks are not elite. And who's to say, you know, if he gets pissed off one day, let's say the Hawks lose eight of 10 here, right? Who's to say he just doesn't blow everything up? I don't know. We haven't really seen John McDonough operate when the Blackhawks have been bad, right? Even when they've been not as good as the Stanley Cup years they've still been among the better teams in the league they still had a shot to win a Stanley Cup I think this year for the first time I'm willing to say they have zero shot of winning the cup I really believe that I mean last year their first round out they had the best record in the Western Conference so you know this to me is the first time where I look at the team and say absolutely not no way can this team win a Stanley Cup and if again if they start to rattle off a bunch of losses here and keep playing the way they've been playing lately, who knows? I would just, at this point today, January 2nd, 2018, I would be shocked if anything is done in season. But, like you said, if things start to fall apart, if things start to go very, very poorly, then maybe, who knows? I I, I just think that, uh, I don't know, if I'm a betting man, I I would think whatever happens will happen in the offseason.
0: I I would think the one scenario that is Uh, almost impossible like will not happen 100 percent will not happen I don't see them just firing Stan and keeping Joel I do not see that happening so I agree I, I think your most likely scenario if the Blackhawks make the playoffs this season which they're kind of a fringe team they get a little bit hot they can probably sneak in I think that you could see Joel leave at the end of the season, kind of on his own you know, terms, the way that you've described it. If they miss the playoffs and they are looking at this thing and going, we literally have several untradable contracts. Like we cannot trade Brent Seabrook. We cannot trade Jonathan Taves. Like anything like that. You look at that situation. You look at the fact that, yeah guys like Jordan Osterly and Gustav Forsling have played pretty solidly for you and Jan Ruda has too but just overall it feels like this team has had more misses than hits when it comes to uh, drafting young players and getting them to come up here and become potentially you know star level players to kind of replace the production that's being lost from the older guys. You can look at all of that kind of figure that the arrows are pointing down for this team and just say to heck with it we're burning it down we need to start from scratch and get a new scouting philosophy a new drafting philosophy a new free agent philosophy and just clean house like I I really feel that if this team ends up missing the playoffs you cannot rule out Stan Bowman and Joel Quinville both being swept out like I just I really do believe that john mcdonough and rocky Wirtz have that in them that if they think that's the best way for the franchise to move forward and to not become stagnant then they're going to be willing to do that
1: well i like the direction you're going let's take our first time out and when we get back we'll discuss that a little bit and potentially what it could mean for the roster if they don't make the playoffs if guys start getting laid off what would that mean for the roster ahead before the break want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's. 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Our longtime sponsor. Outstanding. Every Chicagoan should make the journey to Marishka's at least once in her life. And if you go once, you're gonna go ten times or thirty times or fifty times or a hundred times. It's that good. They're famous for their poor boy sandwich. It's outstanding. That should be the thing you order the first time you go. The poor boy is their trademark. But everything there is good from the chops to the seafood to the Icelandic Cod, hand-cut on premises. That's James's favorite. They've got banquet facilities for up to 110 people, a full bar with craft beer. It's a great place. Make sure you check out Marishkas. They're closed only on Easter. Wait, Christmas, Easter to the 4th of July and Thanksgiving? I think I got that right. So go to Mariska's, check them out, marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. When we come back, we will take a long look at the future of the Chicago Blackhawks on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's our first podcast of the new year, and James and I, as you know, are discussing the long view of the Chicago Blackhawks, of this team, of Joel Quenville, of Sam Bowman, and before the break, we were discussing uh, if the Hawks missed the playoffs, what could be the fallout in the front office, and James, you had some thoughts on that, including could Bowman and Quenville both be gone?
0: Yeah, and I think that the thing we need to keep in mind here is that a lot of people have just kind of assumed that John McDonough is loyal to a fault to guys and that he likes the marketability of having a guy like Joel Quenville behind the bench and selling Benny's Beverage Depot and all that stuff. And that's all well and good and fine, but there's one thing that John McDonough, he likes more than all of the rest of that, and he's found out that winning is what sells. And I feel like if they miss the playoffs, I feel like it sends a very strong signal that the arrow is pointing down with this organization and I think we've been talking about this all season that we kind of are worried that as the old guard kind of starts to fade into the you know background a little bit the, the Brent Seabrooks of the world start to get older and Jonathan Taves' his struggles become more of the regular instead of the abnormal I mean you just you look at this thing and you go this arrow's pointing down isn't it like it really feels that things are going in the wrong direction and I feel like if you miss the playoffs this year there is a very good argument to make that you want to make changes in terms of your scouting and your vision for the organization and to do that you need a new hockey voice you need a new head honcho at the top of the organization and that's where I think John McDonough and Rocky Wertz just decide you know what it's time. Like, it's time to pull the trigger on this and to try to get a guy in here that's going to be able to maybe get you back into a competitive frame before, you know, the careers of your Keats and your Canes and your Taves' end. And it's going to take probably a year or two to really build this thing back up. And you have to wonder if Stan Bowman's going to be able to do it, because you've seen the moves that he's been making lately while they make sense and we've made arguments that trading artemi panarin for brandon sod was a good idea or we understood the logic behind adding connor murphy when you added wanted to add more speed into the mix we get all these moves there's only one problem they're not really working are they like the and it's a problem because these moves and when they're not working artemi panarin goes elsewhere the team's power play just goes completely kaput you lose Nicholas Jalmerson and your defense continues to struggle I mean it is just a never ending series of this move makes sense but it didn't work and Stan Bowman's deadline trades have kind of been the same way the last few years and it's just you have to wonder if maybe he started to kind of lose the magic touch like things like the Brent Seabrook extension and all these other moves and you just have to go look you at some point have to face reality that The team is stagnating and moving in the wrong direction, and it's a time to change the organizational outlook and philosophy. And
1: well, here's my question: There, if you're going to do that, right? If you and if you're going to fire Bowman, fire Quinville, and you're just going to start fresh, don't you just blow up the roster too? I mean, because what's the point here? If you're going to bring in a new GM, right, and he's supposed and coach, and the idea is he's going to reinvigorate things as they are. I don't know, man. Maybe you just you look at things here, you're seeing, look, I love Jonathan Taves. I don't need to qualify it, but I'm going to. My favorite hawk ever. The dude just got three cups, was a consummate professional. But now we're seeing what two, three years in a row now of dropping offensive production, dropping defensive ability. You're starting to see the decline of Jonathan Taves. Patrick Kane's decline can't be far behind, right? Duncan Keith's decline is well underway. Brent Seabrook started a long time ago and has now gotten to a point where it's bad. I know it's hard, and this is, this is where I struggle, and I knew this was going to be a problem with me uh, as the years go on here because I have this affection for these guys, and we all have affection for these guys, but when we, I think even Sox fans can agree, when you're looking at evaluating a front office, Theo Epstein is the guy right he's the most renowned front office guy throughout sports I don't know if whatever you can hate him because he's a cub whatever he has this ability to say I don't care how good you were three years ago or what you won two years ago or whatever right now you are declining and I'm getting rid of you for me that's really really hard and I don't know if Hawks fans are feeling the same way but I don't want to see Jonathan Taves play for another team. I don't want to see Duncan Keith play for another team. Even though I know in my head, it might be the best thing for the organization long term, is to. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying do that. I'm just talking sort of general here. But like, if I'm having trouble getting myself to that place where these Blackhawks that have brought me so much joy have brought me so me so much financial success and uh regional fame because of my blackhawks coverage it's hard for me to look at this and say you know what maybe now's the time to walk away from these guys and start fresh but would hockey theo epstein whoever that is look at this team and say you know what it's time and 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 that that to me is is a major major struggle and I wonder if Sam Bowman's going to be able to make that decision or if John McDonough is going to be able to make that decision with, a, with the right mind. That is a critical decision. When it's made, uh, who is let go, that is a franchise-altering decision because if you wait too long, if you hang on to these guys too long for the s- sake of nostalgia, you are screwing your franchise for l- what could be, what, a decade? Maybe more. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, there are two things that I can respond to that with. The first is that, if Stan Bowman is approaching this the way that you are from a nostalgic, from an emotional perspective, he needs to be fired right now. Because the simple fact is, if you are governing your team and your organizational philosophy from a place of emotion and fondness, you are doing a disservice to that team, and you should not be doing the job that you're doing. And totally fair. And, and you're I, right. I, I absolutely think that emotion needs to be taken out of it and my second point is that i i find this absolutely fascinating because i my entire life i've always thought of things kind of from the emotional perspective and kind of you know getting led by my heart instead of my you know brain like i definitely am more of an emotional thinker than a logical one but in this situation what we're talking about right now the three cups and all the good memories and stuff that i have about this team that's not what's guiding my thought processes right now. My thought processes constantly go back to if you are going to unload these contracts, how do you do it? And it's so insane to me that I'm actually thinking about it that way that I I, I'm honest, I'm legitimately shocked at my own thought processes. Like I, I would have thought for sure I'd have been right there with you in terms of looking at this from an emotional, like happy memory perspective but I'm, I'm looking from, at this from an analytical perspective, and it's honestly blowing my mind. Like, I, I look at, like, Duncan Keith. Like, that contract, probably tradable. Corey Crawford, definitely tradable. Beyond that, I, I don't know how you get rid of Brent Seabrook. I don't know how you unload that Jonathan Taves contract. Like, those deals are taking up about $18 million in cap space, roughly and there is just literally there's no way like even eating like half the salary or taking back big contracts in return I don't know how on earth you're getting rid of those deals and that I think is handicapping any sort of like tear down rebuilding effort right off the bat
1: you're right about that I do think Taze is movable I still think his reputation around the league is good enough and yes his production is down from what it is he's still a very good player I'm. Not- I feel like this episode we've been extremely hard on Taze and we're talking about him like he's current-day Jeremy Roenick <laughs> where he just can't play at all. That's not true. I think Jonathan Taze is still an all-star type player, so I don't want to get ahead of myself there, but the signs are there that things are, go- are starting to slow down for him and for whatever reason, they, they are. It's a fact. Um, you're right, though. That's how you should be looking at it, and I hope that is how Stan Bowman's looking at it. I'm telling you, for me, it's harder than I thought it would be because I I am just kind of a logical sports fan. That's how I look at things, especially because I've worked in, you know, sports radio for so long. I had to kind of take the fandom out of things, but this is harder for me than I thought. And you know how hard it was for me to, um, really lay into Brent Seabrook. <laughs> you know, it it took me a while to be like, okay, I can't I can't pretend he doesn't suck anymore, right? <laughs> um, it, it is what it is, and it's, it's been harder on me than I expected. I'm just being as honest as I can be. Um. I don't know I I do think we're a bit ahead of ourselves here but I hope that Stan Bowman started asking himself these questions two years ago right because that's his job while fans might not be ready for it the GM should be ready to pull that trigger before the fans are just kind of by definition so um I don't know man there's there's a lot to uh unpack I think the next month is critical for this team this year for the organization going forward a good month and maybe you say okay you know maybe they're better than we thought maybe they're finding their way but if they have another month of like win loss 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 win 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 loss loss loss, you know what i mean like if it's just whatever random outcome every night then a big time evaluation needs to start happening and it needs to start happening quickly uh from the front office to the head coach to the roster um, i'm not are you right now are you thinking about upgrading at the trade deadline
0: absolutely not one hell no one, right 100 no i am not thinking about losing assets at the trade deadline if anything i'm thinking about how i'm going to get assets at the nhl draft that's the next time i'm really getting active in terms of doing things to this roster
1: yep i'm with you and i think a lot of fans are too let us know you can always let us know how you're feeling uh, at madhousepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on the Twitter at madhousepod or on James or I's personal Twitter. I'm at, at JZawski670. James is at James Naveau. Yeah, but let us know how you're feeling about everything with the Hawks. I know you have with your emails. We're gonna get to those in a little bit. We're gonna take another quick time out We come back, we're gonna discuss the winter classic. Did you know that happened? <laughs> yeah, I had to remind myself too. Uh before we do, our friends at Triple Threat Sports, we told you about Chris earlier. Chris is a great guy, glad he's getting better. Uh, but they are and will always be the best place to go in town to get your jerseys lettered, to get your NHL jerseys made. But did you also know they're the best place to go to get your teams, uh, your team outfitted? You got a hockey team, softball team, lacrosse team, whatever, need uniforms, need sweatshirts, need uh, off-ice apparel, Triple Threat Sports will help you. They will also help you design the look, the logo, everything that goes into it. So hit up Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Uh, yeah, email is Chris at triple threatsports.com at seven oh eight four seven eight six zero nine zero. That's triple sports. They will hook you up. We'll be right back with some winter classic discussion and your emails on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. A very serious and kind of depressing episode. So let's have some fun. Let's have some fun at the expense of the league. James the winter classic was this weekend boy what a game it was right I watched zero I watched literally zero seconds of the winter classic how about you
0: do you even know who won
1: well (laughs) I can I do my confession is that I didn't know who played the game until it was over (laughs) I knew it was the Sabres I knew it was the Sabres (laughs) I had no idea they played the Rangers who ended up winning the game in overtime um but yeah sabers and rangers at city field in new york uh we have discussed this before when the nhl finds something they just beat the hell out of it till no one cares anymore yeah i hate to say it but the winter classic has far eclipsed dead horse territory that thing is dead in the water and i know the hawks play at notre dame next year i'll be excited for that but i assure you the country will not be i can't wait to see the ratings for the winter classic oh my god it was completely off my radar there
0: there are two things that i'm gonna go ahead and say one i watched a little bit of the game didn't see any goals scored and basically missed all of those the second thing i still don't know who the home team was for that game was it the rangers or was it the no Sabres? the
1: sabers were the home team which makes no sense i i, I don't because i don't, I don't know whatever I, <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's yeah, because hockey,
0: then why wasn't the game that's... in Buffalo? If like you, you wanted like, you know, you could have been like, Oh, it's the 10th one. And we want to like, get back to the roots of the game. Let's go back to Ralph Wilson. And God knows it would have been snowing and heinous weather and all that good stuff. I, I think like ultimately what we need to come to grips with is the fact that this game needs to not be on New Year's Day.
1: Oh, that's, that's obvious. I mean, that's,
0: it's like, brutal, man. Why are you going up against college football? Like, you're not going to win at all. Like, the NBA has Christmas. The NFL has Thanksgiving. College football has New Year's Day. And the NHL keeps trying and trying and trying to gain a foothold on that day, and it's not going to work. Cut it out. Pick a different day, for yeah, guys. You're up sake. against
1: the biggest bowl games. You know? You're up against... The top games of the year. I don't know. Uh, this year, the NFL was on Christmas. And it was usually the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, who's got Christmas Eve? Is Christmas Eve a big one?
0: Uh, Christmas Eve, the only league that plays is the NFL if it's a Sunday.
1: Right. All right. Take that. Take Christmas Eve. It's wintry. It's snowy. It's cold. People are in that mindset. They're feeling good about the cold instead of angry about the cold like I am right now. Um, I don't know. New Year's Day is stupid. You're never going to beat college football. Even when the Winter Classic was at its peak, when it was Hawks and Wings at Wrigley, which I think we could all agree was probably the top, right? Like that's like the most iconic, maybe just because we're here, but the Aha! venue, the teams, it was just kind of, it kind of felt like the biggest one.
0: This is an excellent, excellent question because I have in front of me Ooh. a ranking of the Winter Classics done by ESPN's Greg Wachinski yeah by the way did you remember that he's at espn now and not yahoo i did okay good i just wanted to make sure since you know you didn't watch the winter classic and you're not a true hockey no i just don't care Uh, about
1: the winter classic anymore because it's just a regular season game between the sabers and rangers and i would never watch that
0: at city field like the most bland of the bland in terms of you know backdrops like exactly when you literally freeze over the mississippi river and play under the st louis arch i will pay attention that i would watch yeah, I would 100% watch that. Absolutely. So, Greg ranked all 10 of the Winter Classics. Number 10, Gillette Stadium 2016, Canadians Bruins. Kay. I did not watch a minute of that game, so I completely agree. It was crap. Number 9, Bush Stadium between the, the Blues and Blackhawks last season. I'll, I'll go with that too. That was a completely, I didn't care about that game whatsoever.
1: And our team was playing in it.
0: <laughs> yep. And literally that was the least hyped I had ever been for an outdoor game and the Blackhawks were in it. Surprising pick at number eight. Two thousand eleven Heinz Field between the Capitals and the Penguins. The infamous sixty degrees and raining and Sidney Crosby getting concussed and all sorts of stuff happened in that game, but that's where Greg has that game is at number eight.
1: See that one to me is very memorable. And I don't know if that mean. See, I don't know what he used to rank these games like how good the game was or how cool the atmosphere was. I think that that game, when I think of Winter Classics, is one of the is one of the, like the top three or four. that stands out.
0: I think here are the categories he used. He used three categories: scale of one to ten, and then he added up the number of points that they got. Environment. He ranked it as a three because of the bad conditions and yeah. because of the fact the game started late. He also did Hype, which he had that as a nine, big-time hype, massive hype. First time they had ever done Road to the Winter Classic, by the way, on HBO, and it was awesome, and I loved it. And then the game, which he rated a four, because the Capitals came out and dominated the Penguins, and it wasn't all that competitive of a game.
1: Okay. I'm down with that. That makes sense. So what's next?
0: Number seven is Nationals Park 2015 between the Capitals and Blackhawks.
1: Too bright. That's what I remember about that one. Very sunny.
0: Yes. He he gave that one high marks because of how good the game ended up being with uh, Troy Brower scoring the game winner like super late, and it just was a very good competitive game.
1: I'm down with that. I agree. All
0: right. Number six, this year's between the Rangers and Sabres. Wouldn't know. Yep. exactly. <laughs> Uh, number five Fenway Park between the Bruins and Flyers that was cool I mean, yeah having the game at Fenway was neat it kind of got hurt a little bit I think because of the fact that the winter classic was at Wrigley the year before and it was like okay we get it iconic baseball stadium woo number four 2009 Wrigley Field between the Red Wings and Blackhawks all right th- uh, that's
1: number one to me but I'm biased
0: it got it got very high marks for environment and hype, but it got lower marks for the game itself. Yeah, the game wasn't great. The Red Wing the Blackhawks came out, took a big lead early, and then the Red Wings stomped them the rest of the game. Number three. Two thousand twelve Citizens Bank Park between the Rangers and the Flyers. Hype and the game itself got huge marks, and that's why they pushed it up to number three.
1: All right, it's fair. It was a very good game.
0: He, he pointed out that was the Ilya Berzgalov year on 24-7, and it made it absolutely, like, memorable. Why well, you have Having to be t- mad. Okay, oh so you're at yes. number two
1: now. Can I make a guess on number one? Yeah, sure. I think it's going to be the Leafs, Red Wings, at the Big House.
0: Absolutely. 100%. I completely agree with it. It, it was the... That is a game I'm always going to remember watching because it was so grandiose and so massive, and the fact... And this seems so stupid, but it sticks in my memory because both teams wore their colored home jerseys. Yes, beautiful. The Red Wings wore red and the Maple Leafs wore blue, and it looked right. It didn't have the, oh, one team's in white. No, no, screw it. Just give me all the color. Give it to me.
1: <laughs> I agree. The more color, the better. As long as they're not nearly close, which red and blue are not, they should every night. Absolutely. Why yep. can't the Red Blackhawks play the Green Dallas Stars? Why not? Well, of Is course.
0: Indeed. my Obviously, people will go, ah, if you're colorblind, it would be hell. Fine. I can accept that argument. But I can also say maybe the Red. How about the Blackhawks and the Blues? Get the bright red of the Blackhawks against that, you know, sweet looking blue jersey from St. Louis, man.
1: Excellent. I mean, come on. It's such a no brainer. Yep. It, every league, by the way. Should do that if the colors are not at all conflicting. I know colorblind people. I'm so tired of them whining. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding.
0: The NBA already does it, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I just think something needs to change with the Winter Classic. It's just not exciting anymore. It's been beaten to death. I mean, I think changing the day could help. Just put it like on a random day. Pick it and make it Winter Classic day. It doesn't need to be a holiday, right? Why? Why does it need to be holiday?
0: I mean, I'm intrigued to find out from our listeners what their suggestions to fix the Winter Classic would be. Do you want to automatically make it a Stanley Cup final rematch? Like, would you, like, can you imagine, like, a Pittsburgh-Nashville rematch in Pittsburgh since the uh, Penguins won the Cup? I think that'd be kind of cool. Or a couple of years ago when the Blackhawks and Lightning played in the game, having You know, the game at U.S. Cellular guaranteed bank rate, whatever stadium name it is today, field. That would have been fun.
1: I don't know. It's kind of hard to coordinate, though, I think. Right? Don't they need a lot of time? And that's what they always say. Like, oh, these things take time to plan, blah, blah, blah. Okay.
0: When did they they release the NHL schedule? I don't know. Yeah, you're telling me that you can't just go, look, we're going to play, you know, a game between the two Stanley Cup finalists. They have to play twice a year anyway. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, yeah, you might get the same teams in that game over and over again, but at the same time, you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're always going to have competitive teams in the game. This year, the Rangers and Sabres yeah. are crap. They are
1: bad. Not making it the All-Star game. Uh,
0: see, to me, I feel like that they don't want to do that because they want the Winter Classic to be its own thing they don't want it to just be the all-star game outside
1: all right i guess i mean i was so excited for the idea it was such a great idea to do this it made so much sense it was executed so well and now it's just been so beaten and boring and ugh, i don't even well care. you know
0: you know why it is you know why it is it's because of the stadium series they tried to You know, just expand the idea and have, like, 18 outdoor games a year. It took away the specialness of it. Well,
1: another miscalculation by the NHL. What a shock. All right, you ready to get to to some emails? We're getting very long here.
0: Uh, Yeah, we can definitely do that. Sure, yeah, why not? Let's do it then. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
1: The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com for locations phone numbers specials all that good stuff chucks is awesome they're so good uh something for everyone there they specialize in mexican and cajun and in barbecue food but they really have everything for everyone there and know that you're not just going to go get some decent food at this place chucks is gourmet bar food that's how i would sum it up Chuck Pine worked for renowned Chicago chef Rick Bayless, trained under him, and mastered and, I think, improved several of Bayless's recipes and techniques. Uh, Go to Chuck's. The place is awesome. You will love it. I recommend the jambalaya, which is outstanding. They have a seafood or non-seafood option if you have an allergy. Uh, All the soups are tremendous. The gumbo, uh, everything's great. I love the wings there. I'm a wing guy. Wings are kind of my go-to bar food. Their wings are among the best I've ever had. Uh, My favorite, though, is the Coach Anita Pibil. That's the Saturday special. Make sure, go to Chuck's on a Saturday. Check out the Coach Anita Pibil. You will be in absolute heaven. It is outstanding. Get some extra habanero sauce while you're there, though, and some extra tortillas because you don't want to run out. You just want to pig out and be happy and fat and full like I am every time I go to Chuck's. So check them out, chuckscafe.com for all the information there. So email time, and I know it's been a while, so we're probably not going to get to everybody, but our guy Mark Van Warmer reached out to us and said, hey, make sure you answer my email. And I said, okay, I will.
0: You know what? Too bad, Mark. I don't want to. Nah, Mark's a good man. No, he's well, always, he's, he, he's a,
1: a P1, as we call it in a radio business.
0: He's, no, he's absolutely fantastic, man. I love him.
1: Yeah, he's the best. He says, fighting is a part of the NHL. I was wondering, is there anything behind it? Is it just two guys working crap out? Do stars fight? Do teams have designated fighters? If goalies and players fight, does a goalie still get ejected? He's got some questions about fighting in the game. So it's going away, Mark. Uh, fighting is slowly fading out of the game. And and for me, I think that's a good thing. It's bad for the athletes. You've seen the toll it takes mentally and physically on enforcers. Um, so, But yeah, back in the day, what well, maybe 10, 15 years ago, every team had an enforcer. It was a guy who it wasn't only their job to fight. There were some guys that could actually pay, play, like Bob Probert could actually play a little bit. He was an all-star player at one point in his career, um, but most guys were just kind of thug meatheads. And the idea was that, well, you know, you're losing the game, things aren't going well, and you need to turn the momentum. And uh, that would be sort of the idea: would you send a guy out to fight, and you would think if you won the fight, your team would then suddenly win the game. Some research was done and approved the opposite actually the teams that won the fight were typically scored upon next so there was really nothing to it and as that sort of science has become um, part of the game and as teams have gotten more analytical and can look at the effect of these things they've realized it really doesn't work so that coupled with the fact that it's devastating to the players um, fighting is on its way out I don't know if it'll ever be totally gone but fights are pretty rare these days.
0: Yeah, and and the things that have happened with uh, some of the enforcer type guys, you know, in their post-NHL lives, including Bob Probert, I think, have also kind of led players to kind of move away from being that type of guy, honestly. Like, they, they don't want to go down that path. They don't want to be, you know, the enforcer type, and they've seen what it can do to you physically and mentally, and... Yeah, I feel like all all signs are that fighting is kind of making its way out of hockey. I don't think the NHL will ever explicitly ban it, but I feel like players are slowly moving away from it, except Zach Ronaldo, who should never play in the NHL again. Screw that guy.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Email here from Ian Rada. He says, hey, guys, there's been a lot of talk of retired numbers on the last couple of episodes, which brings me to Steve Larmer. For years, I felt number 28 should be in the rafters, and last December, it was brought up a lot when Larmer had his one last shift. It's insane to me that a guy who played 11 years with the Hawks is third in goal, fourth in points, and fifth in assists in franchise history does not have his number retired. My question isn't so much should it be retired, because it should, but why do you feel the Hawks aren't making it happen? The Hawks had some great teams in the 80s and 90s, but just ran into the Dynasty Oilers. He was a vital part of their success, and deserves the honor. Doug Wilson also deserves the honor as he has 779 points and a Norris trophy and 14 seasons with the Hawks. But that's another argument. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your work. Ian Rada. I don't know. I really don't know why the number has not been retired. Like you mentioned, Ian, all the numbers are there. It makes perfect sense. As far as I know, there's no hostility between Larmer and the organization. Everything's cordial. Um, there was never like a falling out. I maybe, I, and and that was right when Larmer left the Hawks. It's kind of right when I was getting into hockey. So some of our uh, longer time listeners, longer time fans, let us know if there's something I'm missing. Let me know, madhousepod at gmail dot com. But as far as I know, everything between the Hawks. And Larmor is cool. I just don't know what they're waiting for. It makes perfect sense.
0: I think something that I might end up doing is I might try to reach out to the Blackhawks or some and something to that effect and see why Larmor's number isn't retired. That is a really good question. Like, I I know they're probably not going to be like, oh, we just hate him or it's an oversight. or. But they're probably not going to be, like, real honest about it. But it, it couldn't hurt to ask, like, just why isn't that number up there? Like, I feel like it's such a... No brainer, and it's just been going on for so long. Like, I don't get the oversight, I don't get why he hasn't been honored in that way yet. And frankly, he deserves it.
1: Yep, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, email here from Ed in LA, he says, Hey guys, want to thank you for broadcasting the podcast each week and want to wish you both a happy holiday season. Thank you. He said, Also, I find that listening to your game summary of 20 minutes or so very entertaining and hope you'll continue that. We will. He says, uh, one thing that pisses me off to no end is the stupid effing expansion draft that has diluted so many good teams of depth and turned Las Vegas into a potential playoff contender. This isn't how it's supposed to work, and now you essentially have AAA talent playing in the NHL instead of in the minors where they belong. Why couldn't we just keep some defensemen and a good backup goalie? Anyway, rant over, go Hawks, Merry Christmas, Ed from LA. Uh, I see your frustration. I'm actually... I like the way they did the expansion draft because you don't have one new team trying to survive, just sort of wallowing in misery for their first three, four years of existence. This got them good right away, maybe too good right away. And um, I don't know. I know you're right about the team getting diluted. I, 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 that's, that's true. Rosters get diluted anytime the league expands. But I think for the most part, this Vegas expansion has gone very well. So I'm pleased with it. If they're going to have to expand, which we know they're always going to do, uh, I think they handled it the right way.
0: And and you know what? I don't think the NHL anticipated that Vegas was going to go to the lengths that they did to make trades before the expansion draft. Like they did an incredible job of piling up assets just so they wouldn't take certain players or, "Hey, hey, we'll take this guy if you want us to, but you have to give us, you know, blah blah in a trade like it's absolutely amazing what they were able to do in that regard and I don't think the NHL anticipated Vegas being that savvy and piling up assets and one other thing we need to remember about Vegas not everything they did worked like the Shepachov contract that they signed ended up being just a it was a catastrophe horrible did not work in the slightest and it hasn't affected them. It's amazing how they were able to construct this team and use every single available advantage that they got as part of that expansion draft. It's really remarkable.
1: Yeah, and when you put a guy like George McPhee in charge of handling the team, a guy with a ton of NHL experience, a ton of GM experience, he's going to know what he's what, he, what has to be done. And he found sort of, not, I don't want to say loopholes, like he was circumventing things. But like you mentioned, he found ways to get the players he wanted and to get the assets he wanted, and he knew that some teams were going to be like, "Oh god, please don't take this guy. What can we give you to not take this guy?" That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's what you want a GM to do that sort of stuff. So, worked out very well for the Golden Knights. They are at last check, they have 54 points. That is top of the Western Conference. They are the best team in the Western Conference. That's crazy. I mean, I don't care how good you thought they might be. They are in on top of the Western Conference. Crazy. I never, never guessed that that would happen. That's going to do it for the email segment of the show. James, anything you want to add before we wrap things up?
0: Uh, we need to pick a winner for our uh, Chuck's oh, yeah. breakfast. And Boy, our... I'm, out
1: of, I'm out of practice, man. Man,
0: like I, I'm just like waiting for you to be like, and the winner is and do your little drum roll thing and whatever and nothing, man. Just not. And the winner is... <laughs> I am go- you pick. I'm gonna, You're the picker. I'm going to go with Ed in LA. I know we're not going to be able to give him the breakfast, but let's give him a good hockey card for that question.
1: A good hockey card?
0: Y- you know what? Just give him whatever right, card well, you pick. Th- I like I this better. I'm going to throw better. that one
1: back in the bin then. Ah! <laughs> All right. Ed is the winner of a 1992 Pro Set Vincent D'Amfus All-Star card.
0: See, that's, that's a winner's card right there
1: and that's why you tune into the podcast every week to find out which obscure 90s hockey player our listeners will win. <laughs> well, thank you, Ed, for the email. Thank you for listening out in L.A., uh, and thank you to Chuck's, as always, for supplying the breakfast. I'll pick someone at random and send them a breakfast, one of our longtime emailers that hasn't won yet. Uh, but always hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks for listening. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and... And seatgiant.com. Make sure 10 tickets left. Buy those tickets to our Wolves event on January 20th. Come out, see the Wolves. Get a Madhouse t shirt, get a Madhouse koozie, get a Wolves hat, a Wolves bag. Totally worth a $17 ticket to come out to Rosemont and watch the Wolves battle the Condors. It'll be a great time. We can't wait to see you there January 20th. Check the description of this podcast for a link to buy tickets. But until next time, I'm Jay Zawoski for my partner, James DeVoe. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Average weight loss, 15.4 pounds in first two months. For guarantee, cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call our see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat-burning mode. Text BODY to 323232. 3232 right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right. 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text BODY to 323232 right now. There's even a money back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text BODY to 323232. That's B-O-D-Y to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out.